2: Welcome to another episode of the Music from the Goddess is Well podcast. I am your host, Midnight Star. You just heard Samhain by Nars Scale. The topic of today's show is the one that you chose last month, a repeat of the Death Sound episode of 2016. But first, let's get into some fun stuff. I've got two exciting polls for you. Help choose the new logo and pick old episodes for a revisit. Vote in the show notes or scan QR codes on the blog and substat page. Act fast. These polls run for a month. I've got two exciting polls for you. Help choose the new logo and pick old episodes for a revisit. Vote in the show notes or scan QR codes on the blog and substat page. Act fast. These polls run for a month. Updates on both polls. No votes yet. And it's crucial to do so to keep the show going. This may be your last chance to vote for the new logo if you want to keep the reigning champion. The listening to the old episodes poll will continue. New listeners, you can join in too. Find links to both polls in the show notes. Speaking of community involvement, I'd like to extend an exciting opportunity to Canadian pagan musicians. You can get your tunes heard on the Music from the Goddesses of podcast. Reach out to gain new fans and boost your online presence. International musicians, you're welcome too. Contact me now for this exciting opportunity. Listeners, consider subscribing to my newsletter at musicgoddesswealth.substaff.com. Have ideas for subscription benefits? Let me know. I'll be creating a poll soon on that. If you want to get the newsletter, you can subscribe for $7 a month, $70 a year, or for free. Want to connect with me? Share your show ideas, spare guy suggestions, or dream symbols on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, X formerly Twitter, Mastodon, visit the blog at goddesswalt for slash and threads. Now for the topic, the repeat of the Death Sound episode of 2016. There are four things that I want to say about it. First, I did add some links in the show notes. I didn't include them the first time around. Second, once again there are no dream symbols. I don't know when I added the dream symbols, but it wasn't in 2016. Third, this episode predates the Me Too movement. I mention this because one of the artists featured here was one of those who harmed some young women in his coven, and he is no longer with us. I won't mention the name of this artist, but you can identify them from the list. Finally, I listened to this podcast a few days ago and realized I made one big mistake. In the Spirit Guide of the Week segment, Anubis' myth is that he was born to Nephesus and Osiris. However, she abandoned him in Necropolis, but Isis soon adopted Anubis and he helped her find Osiris. Other than that, please enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of The Goddess's Vault. I'm your host, Midnight Star. That was remembered by Bell Book and Cantos. If I do sound strange, it's because I'm getting over a cold. The topic of today's episode is the pagan view of death. My favorite pagan Christian holiday is coming up. You can call it Halloween, but we pagans call it Samhain, and it's Samhain, not Samhain. There's one member of my pagan coven that constantly mispronounces some foreign words, and this is one of them. Now, I do remember making the same mistake when I first started to be pagan, but then someone within the community told me to pronounce it Samhain. I don't mind hearing Samhain or Zawain, but not Samhain. Thankfully, if you Google how to pronounce S-A-M-H-A-I-N, there is a YouTube video that will give you the correct pronunciation. I did put that one on my coven's Facebook page. I just hope that this particular person did watch it. Makes you wonder. Anyway, there is going to be another spare guide of the week, and this episode has a mythological story that I will tell. From the Album Fairy Queen, here's Kenny Klein with Dead Dribble Jam.
3: What do you do with an old dead What do you do with an old dead What do you do with an old dead gerbil? lie in the morning. Put him in the oven until he's tender. Put him in the oven until he's tender. Put him in the oven until he's tender. lie in the morning. Hey, hey, rigor mortis, hey, hey. Rigor mortis, hey, hey. Rigor mortis, lie in the morning. Do with a tender gerbil, what do you do with a tender gerbil, early in the morning? Give me your cat, see if he plays with it, give me your cat. See if he plays with it, give me your cat, see if he plays with it, early lie in the morning. Hey, hey, rigor mortis, hey, hey, rigor mortis, hey, hey rigor mortis, er lie in the morning. What do you do with a shredded gerbil? What do you do with a shredded gerbil? What do you do with a shredded gerbil? Or lie in the morning. Use them as a topping on your pizza. Use them as a topping on your pizza. Use them as a topping on your pizza. On your pizza or lie in the morning. Hey hey, rigor to rigor hey, hey rigor say,
2: I know that some of you out there that are listening are not pagans, but Christians. You guys' view of death is an end and something to be fearful of. We pagans view death almost like Buddhists do, as a part of the life cycle of birth, life, death, and rebirth. We see death as more of the next phase of existence. We also see death as a fundamental process of nature. Without it, life could not exist. Science have shown that when we are born, cells in our body are constantly dying and being replaced by new ones. Also, the body that dies is not the same body that we are born with. That, in order for us to grow, we experience all sorts of deaths. The death of childhood in order to go through with puberty and adulthood. The death of being single and getting married. The death of a relationship as a result of a breakup or divorce. Even childbirth can be a death of looking and thinking about yourself to taking care of a new life. We even shed our appearance, our attitude, and our behavior as we change from one phase of our lives to the next. We pagans also see the dying process as a journey for the dying person as well as their friends and family through support. We view death as something to be celebrated and not to be feared. That's why we celebrate Samhain. It's a day for our ancestors to come out of the veil to celebrate with us. Here's Dargaard with Ancestors of Stone. for the spirit guide of the week I'm going back into Egypt for this week's spirit guide and talk about the god Anubis. He is the lord of death, inventor of embalming and mummification, and the guardian of the door through which the deceased entered the Hall of Judgment. Anubis has the body of a man and the head of a jackal. There are many different myths about him. One was that he was conceived when the goddess Nephthys seduced her sister's husband Osiris. After he was born, Nephthys left Anubis in a necropolis to be raised by jackals as guardian. He leads the soul to the field of offerings. Before that, he presides over the weight of the heart ritual, which determines the fate of the soul. He does this by placing the heart on a scale. Those souls who fail get eaten by the monster, Emmet. Anubis also looks after the mummification process to make sure everything goes smoothly. What you can offer Anubis on your altar is the following. Pictures or figurines of jackals or wolves. Anubis likes to drink so you can offer him beer, wine, or spirits. And you can give him macabre funeral and death themed toys and figurines. That is it for now. Stay tuned for another Spirit Guide of the Week.
5: To keep the scales aligned But
3: my heart It's so, so-
2: That was Anubis by Tasomadzi. Here are ways to celebrate Samhain or Halloween for everyone, pagan and non-pagan, and it doesn't have to involve candy. Take a meditative walk in a park near you. Take in all the sights, smells, sounds, and sensations of autumn. It's the best way to experience being part of the circle of life. Set up a Samhain or Halloween altar and leave it up for three days before October 31st. You can decorate your altar with photos of loved ones who have passed, symbols of fall, of Halloween, and a cornucopia of autumn fruits and vegetables. You can celebrate by holding your own ceremony, invite some people over, and prepare a meal. Gather everyone around the table and say a blessing or a prayer. You can visit a cemetery. This is a great way to honor our ancestors and friends who have passed. You can even tend to their gravesite. I know that this might sound strange, but you can celebrate Samhain and Halloween by hitting the pause button. Samhain is also the time to stop and reflect on your life this past year. You can do this by introspection, meditation, journaling, and thinking about what you have accomplished, learned. Were there any challenges, adventures, and travel in your life? Think about those. The next one might scare off some people, which is understandable, but you can hold a seance. Is there anyone on the other side that you would like to talk to? If you want, you can hire a medium to help you communicate with your loved ones on the other side. Get a campfire or your fireplace going and write down a habit that you wish to end on a piece of paper. Then cast that piece of paper and watch it burn. Seek out guidance for the year to come. If you're a pagan, it's in the form of divination. You can call upon the divine. Call God, Buddha, Mohammed, Hecate, or whomever to help you in remembering the dead. Another way to celebrate Samhain or Halloween is to use creative ways to cook with herbs and spices. And finally, the last thing that you can do to celebrate this holiday is to connect with others in person, not on the computer. You can do this through volunteering or just helping out in the community. From the album Gypsy Heart, here's Feather Scale with Samhain. Here is another myth. This next story comes from EgyptianMyth.net. This one is the infamous story of Isis and Osiris. On the first day, Osiris the eldest son of Nut, was born, and the second day was set aside to be the birthday of Horus the Elder. On the third day, the second son of Nut was born, Dark Set, the lord of evil. On the fourth, her daughter Isis first saw the light, and her second daughter Nephis on the fifth. In this way, the curse of Ra was both fulfilled and defeated, for the days on which the children of Nut were born belonged to no year. When Osiris was born, many signs and wonders were seen and heard throughout the world. Most notable was the voice which came from the holiest shrine in the Temple of Thebes on the Nile, which today is called Karnak, speaking to a man called Pamphiles, bidding him proclaim all men that Osiris, the good and mighty king, was born to bring joy to all the earth. Pamphiles did as he was bidden, and he also attended on the divine child and brought him up as a man among men. When Osiris was an adult, he married his sister Isis, a custom which the pharaohs of Egypt followed ever after. And Set married Nephus, for he too being a god could marry only a goddess. Isis had learned the secret name of Ra. Osiris became sole ruler of Egypt and reigned on the earth as Ra had done. Isis discovered the grain of both wheat and barley. These grains grew wild over the land with the other plants. Osiris taught the people how to plant the seeds when when the Nile had risen, how to tend and water the crops, how to cut the corn when it was ripe, and how to thresh the grain, dry it, and grind it to flour and make it into bread. He showed them also how to plant vines and make the grapes into wine, and they already knew how to brew beer out of the barley. When the people of Egypt have learned to make bread and cut only the flesh of such animals as he taught them were suitable, Osiris went on to teach them laws and how to live peacefully and happily together, delighting themselves with music and poetry. As soon as Egypt was filled with peace and plenty, Osiris set out over the world to bring his blessings upon other nations. While he was away, he left Isis to rule over the land, which he did both wisely and well. But Set envied Osiris and Isis. The more the people loved and praised Osiris, the more Set hated him, and the more good he did and the happier mankind became. Set's desire to kill his brother and rule his place grew stronger. Isis, however, was so full of wisdom and so watchful that Set made no attempt to seize the throne while she was watching over the land of Egypt. And when Osiris returned from his travels, Set was almost the first to welcome him back and kneel in reverence before the good god Pharaoh Osiris. Yet he had made his plan, aided by seventy-two of his wicked friends, secretly set, obtained the exact measurements of the body of Osiris, and had a beautiful chest made that would only fit him. It was fashioned of the rarest and most costly woods, cedar from Lebanon, ebony from Punt at the south end of the Red Sea, for no wood grows in Egypt except the soft and useless palm then-set gave a great feast in honor of Osiris, but the other guests were the 72 conspirators. It was the greatest feast that had yet been seen in Egypt. And the food was great, the wine stronger and the dancing girls more beautiful than ever before. When the heart of Osiris was happy and healthy, the chest was brought in, and all were amazed at its beauty. Osiris marveled at the rare cedar inlay and the ebony and ivory, with less rare gold and silver, and painted inside with figures of gods and birds and animals, and he desired it greatly. "'I will give this chest to whomever fits it most exactly,' cried Set. And at once, the conspirators began in turn to see if they could win it. But one was too tall, another too short. One was too fat, another too thin. All tried in vain. Let me see if I will fit into this marvelous piece of work, said Osiris. And he laid himself down in the chest while all gathered round breathlessly. I fit exactly, and the chest is mine, cried Osiris. It is yours indeed, and shall be so forever, hissed Seth, as he banged down the lid. Then, in desperate haste, he and the other conspirators nailed it shut and sealed every crack so that Osiris died in the chest. Sen and his companions took the chest and cast it into the Nile. Happy the Nile god carried it out into the great green sea until it came to the shore of Fenerca near the city of Byblos. Here the waves cast it into a tamarisk tree that grew on the shore and the tree shot out branches and grew leaves and flowers to make a fit resting place for the body of the good god Osiris and very soon that tree became famous throughout the land. Presently King Malkander heard of it, and he and his wife, Queen Astarte, came to the seashore to gaze at the tree. By now the branches have grown together, and the hidden chest which held the body of Osiris in the trunk itself. King Malkander gave orders that the tree should be cut down and fashioned into a great pillar for his palace. This was done, and all wondered at its beauty and fragrance but none knew that it held the body of a god. Meanwhile in Egypt, Isis was in great fear. She had always known that Set was filled with evil and jealousy, but kindly Osiris would not believe in his brother's wickedness. But Isis knew as soon as her husband was dead, and fled into the marshes of the delta carrying the baby Horus with her. She found shelter on a little island where the goddess Utu lived, and entrusted the divine child to her. And as further safeguard against Set, Isis loosened the island from its foundation, and let it float so that no one could tell where to find it. Then she went to seek for the body of Osiris. For until he was buried with all the needful rites and charms, even his spirit couldn't go no further to the west than Wat, the testing place and it could not come to Amenti. Back and forth over the land of Egypt wandered Isis, but never a trace could she find of the chest in which lay the body of Osiris. She asked all whom she met, but no one has seen it, and in the matter of her magic powers could not help her. At last she questioned the children who were playing by the riverside, and at once they told her that just such a chest, as she described, had floated past them on the swift stream and out into the great green sea. Then Isis wandered on the shore, and again and again it was the children who had seen the chest floating by, and told her which way it had gone. And because of this, Isis blessed the children and decreed that ever afterwards children should speak words of wisdom and sometimes tell of things to come. At length, Isis came to Byblos and sat down by the seashore. Presently the maidens who attended on Queen Astarte came down to bathe at that place. And when they returned out of the water, Isis taught them how to plait their hair, which had never been done before. When they went up to the palace, a strange and wonderful perfume seemed to cling to them, and Queen Astarte marveled at it, and at their plaited hair, and asked them how it came to be so. The maidens told her of the wonderful woman who sat by the seashore. Then Queen Astarte sent for Isis, and asked her to serve in the palace and tend to her children, the little prince Maneros and the baby Dicias, who was sick, for she did not know who this strange woman was. Isis agreed to this, and very soon the baby was strong and well. Isis became fond of the child and thought to make him immortal. Astarte, however, had been watching her secretly, and when she saw that her baby seemed to be on fire, she rushed into the room with a loud cry, and so broke the magic. Then Isis took on her own form, and Astarte crouched down in terror when she saw the shining goddess and learned who she was. Malkander and Astarte offered her gifts of all the richest treasures in Byblos, but Isis asked only for the great tamarisk pillar which held up the roof, and for what it contained. When it was given to her, she caused it to open and took out the chest, but she gave the pillar back to Malkander and Astarte, and it remained the most sacred object in Byblos since it had once held the body of a god. When the chest was given to her, Isis flung herself down on it with so terrible cry of sorrow that little Dicius died at the very sound. But Isis at length caused the chest to be placed on a ship and set off for Egypt. The next morning as the ship was passing the Pedros river, its strong current threatened to carry them out of sight. But Isis grew angry and placed a curse on the river, so that its stream dried up on that day. She came safely into Egypt and hid the chest in the marshes of the delta while she hastened to the floating island where Brutus was guarding Horus. But Set came hunting wild boars with his dogs. Hunting by night was his custom, since he loved the darkness in which evil things abound. By the light of the moon, he saw the chest of cedar wood inlay with ebony and ivory, with gold and silver, and recognized it. At the sight, hatred and anger came upon him in a red cloud, and he raged like a panther of the south. He tore open the chest, took the body of Osiris, and ripped it into fourteen pieces, which, by his divine strength, he scattered up and down the whole length of the Nile so that the crocodiles might eat them. It is not possible to destroy a body of a god, cried Set. Yet I have done it, for I have destroyed Osiris. His laughter echoed through the land, and all who heard it trembled and hid. Now Isis had begun her search once more, this time she had helpers, for Nephis left her wicked husband Set and came to join her sister, and Anubis, the son of Osiris and Nephis, take the form of a jackal, assisted in the search. When Isis traveled over the land, she was accompanied and guarded by seven scorpions. But when she searched on the Nile and among the many streams of the Delta, she made her way in a boat made of papyrus, and the crocodiles in their reverence for the goddess touched neither the rent pieces of Osiris nor Isis herself. Indeed, ever afterwards, anyone who sailed the Nile in a boat made of papyrus was safe from them, for they thought it was Isis still questing after the pieces of her husband's body. Slowly, piece by piece, Isis recovered the fragments of Osiris, and whenever she did so, she formed by magic the likeness of his whole body and caused the priests to build a shrine and perform his funeral rites. And so there were thirteen places in Egypt which claimed to be the burial place of Osiris. In this way, she also made it harder for Set to meddle further with the body of the dead god. There was only one piece she did not recover. Isis, however, did not bury any of the pieces in the places where the tomb and shrine of Osiris stood. She gathered the pieces together, rejoined them by magic, and by magic made a likeness of the missing member so that Osiris was complete. Then she caused the body to be embalmed and hidden away in a place of which she alone knew. And after this, the spirit of Osiris passed into Amenti to rule over the dead. The last song that you heard was Samhain by Featherscale. I hope you enjoyed the show, because that is it. Again I'm your host, Midnight Star. I'm excited to invite you to take part in two important polls that will influence the direction of my podcast. First, there's a poll to choose a new logo, and the second poll is for you to listen to older episodes. You can vote by clicking on the link in my show notes, or by scanning the QR codes on my blog or substat page. Afterwards, I'll announce the winning logo, and there will be more options to pick from. Or, if the reigning champion still continues, that will be the new logo. As for the winning older episode, it will air next month with new content added to it. You have a whole month to participate, so feel free to join in right now. Do you have an idea for a show topic, spirit guide or dream symbol? Share it on the website at goddesswelt1.wixsite.com forward slash home and on social media platforms like Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, X, formerly known as Twitter, Mastodon, and now Threads. If you're a Canadian pagan musician, I'd love to hear from you. Please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I can't wait to discover and feature more Canadian pagan music. And if you want to be the first to hear the latest episodes, you can sign up for the newsletter at musicgoddessworld.substack.com. As I wrap up the show, I'm going to play Isis Sestarte by Jana Ronalds. Bless Blessed be.